0: In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to their own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. That will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. These are the details of that night as recorded by a physician named Luke who tells us that he went to great lengths in order to record everything exactly as Mary and Joseph experienced them. These are the details of what you and I think of simply as the Christmas story. Although that's a bit of a disservice to the events of this night because these are not the details of simply a nice story. These are the details of the night that a breakthrough had come. A breakthrough came that night, a breakthrough that nature had been waiting for, a breakthrough that was needed so badly. Try to imagine for a moment how difficult life was thousands of years ago. There were plagues, famines, droughts, diseases. Very little safety or even predictability to the, to the day-in, day-out life that people lived in the way that we would think of it today. The gap between the haves and the have-nots was enormous, and it was almost insurmountable. If you were a have-not, there was no chance, very little chance, that you would become a have. There was an abuse of power by the people in charge. Nations were constantly at war with one another, the victor frequently dragging tens of thousands of people away from their homeland and putting them into forced slavery. In many societies, women were seen as pieces of property and treated like common animals. Children were disposable and frequently left out in nature to die when they were unwanted. If there was a phrase that could encapsulate this point in human history, it might be the phrase, might makes right. It's the idea that you did what you had the power to do and served you well, regardless of what it meant to the other people around you. And this was normal life. You watched your back, protected your own, and took care of yourself first. But this was not how life was supposed to be. This was not how God had created humanity to live. What God had originally created was good. It was pure. It was innocent. It was loving and others-centered. But something had destroyed God's original design. You might think of it as humanity's natural self-centeredness, our predisposition to pursue our own pleasure even when it hurts other people. You could point to people's arrogance, our greed, our superiority. Or you could just use the all-encompassing term sin. Sin had entered the world shortly after creation and destroyed God's original, original plan. And people were living in the pain of that, unable to fix their own situation, unable to right the wrongs of humanity. People lived under the pain and the fear of the mess that they had created. But the good news was that God's love was too great to just sit idly by and do nothing. God was determined to to bring about some change. He was determined to offer a different way. He was determined to give us a solution, And so it began with a remnant. There had always been a remnant of people who were committed to God and to living the way that he had called them to live. And so from this remnant, God raised up a family that he promised to work through. It was the family of a man named Abraham. And and this family would grow over the course of hundreds of years into the hundreds of thousands of people. They would become what we now think of as the Hebrew people or the nation of Israel. And from the nation of Israel, God would appoint people that were called prophets who he would raise up and he would give them a message to pass on to the masses. And when you look at the messages that the prophets had to give the people from God, it was almost always the same idea. It was almost always a call for the people of God to, re- to return to the ways of God and to remember that there was a promised Messiah who was coming. That they just needed to wait a little longer. It was a message of hope that one day a breakthrough would come that would change everything. And behind the scenes this entire time, heaven was preparing. God himself was preparing. He was not slow in coming as you might think he was slow. No, he was waiting until everything was aligned just perfectly for him to send the Savior that he had promised through the prophets. Behind the scenes, he was working, no doubt, excitedly anticipating when the time would be right. I have to imagine, it was kind of like when you find the perfect gift for someone, and you just can't wait. You feel the anticipation of giving this great gift that you know they'll love so much, right? It's, it's different than when they give you a list, and they say, hey, here's the three things I want, and you pick one of the three things off the list, and you give it to them, and they open it, and they're like, I love it, I'm so surprised, and they're really not surprised, Right? There's something different when you find something, when you see something that you know is the perfect gift for them, and they don't see it coming, they won't know it's coming, but then you give it to them, like there's this moment of anticipation where you can't wait to give a great gift like that. I have to imagine that's how it felt for God, and when the timing was just perfect, He sent Gabriel to a young woman named Mary who had never been with a man but was now miraculously pregnant with the Son of God. As I was living in this passage over the last few weeks, I couldn't help but wonder to myself who that nine months of of waiting was the most difficult for. You don't have to raise your hand. I'm not asking you to answer out loud. But but think for a second to yourself. If you had to, to make a decision who it was hardest for to wait that nine months, who would you pick? Maybe on one hand, you would say, you know, I think it was probably hardest on Joseph, right? I mean, here's this young man, like, his head had to be spinning that entire time, right? He went from just excited to marry his high school sweetheart, thinking, I get to be a husband to this girl I'm so crazy about. It's going to be so awesome to be married and to, to have a wife and to be a husband. He went from thinking, I'm going to become a husband, to overnight finding out, no, you're going to be a father and you're going you're to help parent the God of the universe, Right, there's some pressure there. Like, he had to be thinking what every young dad thinks, or at least I thought the first time I found out I was going to have a kid. I hope I don't mess them up. Right? Maybe you would say it was hardest for Joseph. Or maybe you would say, I think it was hardest for Mary. I mean, Mary is, in fact, the one who had to actually carry the child. She's the one who actually had to go through the pains of childbirth and labor. Like, she had to actually deliver this baby. Guys, if you end up in a conversation later on tonight with a significant other about this, choose Mary. Just go with her, right? She's the the safe one. You know, honey, I think it was hardest on Mary. No doubt in my mind. I don't know what he was talking about. It was hardest on Mary, you know. But for me, I wonder if it was even harder for God to wait. I mean, yes, of course, God knew what was coming. God knew how this was going to play out. But at the same time, God must have been the most excited for the gift that he was giving the world because he knew how desperately the world needed a Savior. He knew how good his original design had been. He knew how far the world had fallen. And he understood better than anyone the difference this gift would make. I have to think, he could not wait for that nine months to pass. He had been planning He had been preparing for so long, and now his plan was in motion. Now things were in motion. But even he, even the one true living God, could not speed up that nine months. He had to wait another nine months. I wonder if that nine months was hardest for him because he was so excited about the gift that he was giving. Regardless of who it was the most difficult for, eventually the timing was absolutely right, And so in that little town of Bethlehem, Jesus was born. I'm sure it was a beautiful moment on a beautiful night, as birth always is. I mean, birth is always beautiful in the spiritual sense. In the physical sense, it's like, you know, but spiritually speaking, birth is always beautiful. So I'm sure this was a beautiful moment in that sense, you know, because the breakthrough had come. The breakthrough that they had been waiting for. The breakthrough had finally arrived. The only issue was, it didn't come the way anybody was expecting it to come. Nobody recognized the breakthrough had come because nobody was expecting God to send a baby. They expected God to raise up someone who who would lead an army to overthrow Roman rule. They expected somebody to establish an economic powerhouse and destroy all the people who had rejected God. They thought at least when the Messiah comes, he'll put our lives on easy street. I mean, we're the people of God. When the Messiah comes, like, all our problems go away, right? But no, they had it wrong. Leading an army was never the mission of the Messiah. Establishing the perfect economy was never his purpose. We are, in fact, told exactly what his purpose would be. Joseph, in fact, the the fiancé of Mary, was told ahead of time with absolute clarity what this coming gift would mean for humanity. He was told one night in a vision, in a dream, where an angel gave him the answer, gave him this clarity. It's recorded for us in Matthew chapter 1. And in verses 20 and 21, we read what this breakthrough would mean. There we read that the angel said to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, here it is, because he will save his people from their sins. The angel said, Give him the name Jesus, a name that literally means Savior. The angel said, give him the name Savior, because that is what he has come to do. He has come to save people from their sins. He didn't come to wipe out all the people who had rejected God. He didn't come to establish a new world superpower. He didn't even come to restore things to how it was before sin had entered the world. He came to set people free from their sin, He came to set us free from the guilt that holds us down and prevents us from participating fully in God's redemptive work in our communities and in our societies. He came to break chains and to give people new hope and new life and a fresh start. He didn't come and say, hey, listen, just wait a little longer. Just wait until you get to heaven. That's not what he said. No, he brought heaven to earth. He came to invite us to live our lives in the kingdom of heaven here on earth, life that is filled with faith and hope and love life that doesn't end when we die. His coming, his birth was the actual breakthrough. And what started small, what began on a quiet night on the edge of an insignificant village would grow. He would grow. He would grow up and live a sinless life despite being tempted the same way that you and I are tempted. He challenged the religious establishment he helped people undersee God in a different light. They helped people understand God in a different way. He, he, he gave the world a better way to live. And then he demonstrated his incredible love for us by going to the cross to lay down his life in order to pay the penalty for our sin only to have God the Father raise him back to life on the third day once and for all conquering the sin and death that, that had caused so many problems for so many people. He gave us this offer of life for anyone who wanted to be included in the work that he accomplished. And for us today, we are invited to live our lives under the umbrella of that breakthrough. But now maybe this Christmas, you find yourself waiting. The way that nature was waiting all those years ago. Maybe 2019 was a difficult year for you. Maybe it was the most difficult year for you. Maybe you can't wait to turn the page on the calendar and begin a new month, begin a new year, begin the new decade. Or maybe things on the surface of your life are going really pretty well. You don't have much to complain about when it comes to the circumstances of your life. And yet you still feel this this feeling that there must be something deeper. There must be something more significant that you have not yet discovered because surely there's something more than what you're experiencing. And if you find yourself in either of those camps or really anywhere in between, let me remind you tonight that a breakthrough has come. Let me remind you tonight that no matter who you are or what your life looks like, the promise is true for you too that he is Emmanuel, God with us. And no matter what you have going on in your life today, you can go home tonight with a renewed sense of joy this Christmas because you can go home remembering and reflecting on how much you are loved and how much God has done in pursuit of you. Our breakthrough doesn't come when we finally achieve the power to control all the details of our life. That would be great, no doubt about it, but it doesn't work that way. Our breakthrough comes in the middle of our weakness. In the middle of our waiting, when we turn to Jesus and accept the forgiveness of sins that he came to bring, it comes when we accept that gift from the only one who can give it to us. And for those of you who have experienced that, life in the kingdom of heaven today, for those of you who have experienced the fulfillment of what the angel prophesied to Joseph about all those years ago, you know how good it is. You know the joy that comes, the confidence that comes from living life, knowing where you will spend eternity. You know the joy of doing life with your Savior. And you understand that that doesn't mean everything's gonna go your way. You'll still have hardships, you'll still have setbacks, but you know it's not the same as it was before because you understand how good it is to live your life in the light as opposed to living in darkness. And best of all, you understand that that is only possible because Jesus himself left his throne in heaven where he was surrounded by a legion of angels who were worshiping him day and night without ceasing. He was in a perfect place, surrounded by perfection, enjoying perfect community with God the Father, and yet you know he gave all of that up so that he could break through the sin that separated you from him. You know how good that is. You understand that is what makes this holiday, this holy day, so incredibly significant. And you know that's why we gather. It's why we celebrate. It's why people drive cross country this time of year to be with the people who mean the most to us. It's why we give gifts to the people we love the most. Because when we give gifts to each other this time of year, it is a reflection of the fact that when Jesus was born, God himself gave us the greatest gift imaginable. And that gift is why we're here tonight. That gift is the thing that causes us to sing. That gift is what causes us to worship. Because yes, we recognize that he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. But despite how big and perfect and holy he is, despite the legions of angels who will never stop proclaiming his glory, he humbled himself to a cradle and then the cross. All in order to give us the gift that we were waiting for. A breakthrough has come. He has come for you.